Sometimes you just want the quick facts. No opinions, no speculation. I'm Claire Thornton, an audio editor with USA Today. My team works around the clock to bring you the Five Things podcast. Every morning, me and my co-host Taylor Wilson help you know what to keep an eye out for that day. We always have a fresh mix of stories, from politics to entertainment to sports, covering all parts of the country. On Sundays, you can lean back with in-depth episodes about stories you may have heard earlier that week. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite shows and start listening to Five Things today. Inside Florida Politics, powered by USA Today Network Florida. Ron DeSantis' presidential campaign is limping toward the end of 2023 in disarray after struggling from the start. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald-Tribune political editor Zach Anderson, and I'll be discussing DeSantis' underwhelming presidential bid and some of the other top stories in Florida politics this year with Gannett State Capitol reporter John Kennedy and Palm Beach Post politics editor Antonio Finns. But first... Well, this is our last podcast of 2023, so instead of our regular pick a number segment, we're going to mix things up a bit and offer some predictions for the year ahead. So bookmark this podcast, folks, and come back to it next year to see if we get it right. Knowing how unpredictable Florida politics can be, you might be laughing at just how wrong we were, kind of like Trump laughing as he watched DeSantis plummet in the polls like a wounded bird falling from the sky. Trump's words, not mine. We'll tell you what 2024 has in store at the end of the show. But first, let's talk about the biggest story in Florida politics this year. Well, Florida Republicans don't have the greatest record when it comes to running for president. Look no further than Jeb, please clap, Bush, who not only lost to Trump in 2016, but was humiliated by him. Bush began the 2016 presidential cycle as the favorite to win the GOP nomination. DeSantis wasn't the favorite, but like Bush, he raised an enormous sum of money and was seen earlier this year as the only Republican who stood a realistic chance of taking out Trump. DeSantis probably generated more excitement in conservative politics than any other Republican in 2022, cruising to a dominating re-election win as governor. The New York Post dubbed DeSantis the future of the party. Polls show him close to Trump and even beating him in some cases as the calendar flipped over to 2023. Yet by the time DeSantis launched his presidential campaign in May, he already was sinking in the polls. Trump reasserted his dominance over the GOP and began to relentlessly mock and belittle the man he called desanctimonious, much like he did to low-energy Jeb Bush. DeSantis didn't help his own cause, running a campaign that has been widely viewed by political analysts as underwhelming, uninspiring, and unable to make a coherent case as to why Republicans should choose him over Trump campaign also has been plagued by mismanagement with staff fired after spending too much, the campaign manager replaced, and the super PAC, most recently, backing DeSantis, imploding. Now DeSantis is limping into the Iowa caucus on January 15th with polls showing him far behind Trump. DeSantis has banked his entire campaign on a strong showing in Iowa, and a big loss likely would doom him. John, DeSantis looks less like the future and more like a disaster of a presidential candidate these days. Why do you think his campaign never took off? Well, beyond not being a very compelling candidate to voters or or uplifting as any good presidential candidate should be, uh, DeSantis you know, really also is the victim of a series of unfortunate events. Uh, you know, some of it his own doing, others because of really the phenomenon of Trump. 
uh, as you mentioned, he was he was hot in 20, November 2022. Uh, he won re-election by the largest margin in Florida in 40 years. Uh, at the same time, Trump was uh, to use a DeSantisism. He, Trump was stone cold. The uh, the loss of the U.S. Senate race and uh, or the U.S. Senate uh, to to Democrats and a wafer thin takeover by the Republicans uh, in the House uh, that that kind of belied what um, was had been forecast as a as a red wave that was coming and and Trump and his burgeoning legal woes were were blamed for the poor showing um, you know should DeSantis have stepped fully forward then declared his candidacy and said it was, you know, a torch passing time for the Republican Party. Maybe that would have prompted Republican voters to see him as the uh, the heir apparent, uh, the the standard bearer that was needed. And Trump uh, wouldn't have been able to regain his political footing and rally his base of uh, cult-like followers. Uh, instead, uh, DeSantis waited six months to uh, declare his candidacy. He, uh, he raised money, a la Jeb Bush, uh, you know, with uh, kind of opting for a similar uh, shock and awe approach that he thought would help him clear the field for the nomination. And he spent a lot of that time on culture war issues that seemed like it was moving Republican voters at that time. But since then, it seems to have been viewed as off-putting to more voters than it attracted. Uh, that began raising deep questions about whether DeSantis would be the better general election candidate than Trump which was you know, one of the arguments in, uh, in DeSantis's favor early on. Um, you know, in the meantime, Trump ratcheted things up. He was able to portray himself as the, the victim of the Biden Justice Department and um, liberal prosecutors in blue cities. And his uh, digital campaign was able to really frame DeSantis as a, you know, a whiny, pudding eating with your hands uh, and, and, and dull candidate. Uh, some of it quite accurate, which is a trait that DeSantis has to own as a, as a candidate. And uh, that really was a failing of his own making. But, um, you know, in fairness to, Trump, to DeSantis, uh, few people would have seen Trump capable of legitimately making a third run for the White House. Uh, the, the, the smart money was on the Republican Party moving on, and DeSantis thought he'd be the natural successor, the guy with the, the, the Trump attitude, but with electability. You know, and in the end, he was never able to convince voters that he was that. Now, you got to wonder, is there a future for DeSantis? Uh, 2028 seems like uh, another galaxy right now. But, um, you know, you wonder in that, in that distant world where who knows what American democracy will look like by then, well, does it include another presidential run for Ron DeSantis, two years removed from his time as governor and campaigning with all those dents still showing from the 2024 race? Uh, that's that's going to be one of the things we'll be watching for as uh, right now we're watching his star dim on the uh, the near horizon. John, there's kind of a chicken or the egg thing with DeSantis. Is it, you know, is it his campaign or is it Trump that uh, is is causing him to to struggle so badly? I mean, what's what's your take on that? I mean, my personal opinion is that it's really more Trump than anything. That DeSantis just can't get around Trump. Uh, you know, there's questions of whether he ever did enough to really take on Trump. But 
I, I don't think that whatever he was going to do was going to be enough uh, in the end. I think the party is still enamored from Trump. I think that he is still uh, just this this huge figure that sort of blots out the sun and, and uh, nothing can grow underneath it in Republican politics. And that while DeSantis you know, has struggled and that he isn't maybe the most natural candidate, I, I still think that Republicans kind of love him, that, that they like that he's uh, you know, a fighter and that he, he just goes hard uh, at uh, what they perceive as liberal excesses and that the awkwardness um, is is not enough to, to really be off-putting for a lot of them. I think that he would be winning this primary by a decent margin if, if Trump wasn't in the race. What's your take? Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. I, th- I think everybody, the media included, we underestimated Trump. We, we never saw Trump being capable of, uh, you know, getting up off the mat after losing to uh, Biden in 2020. And then, you know, the, 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 as I mentioned, the 2022 um, uh, congressional campaigns being kind of a failure for Republicans, all that seemed to uh, work against Trump. And then when his uh, legal problems began mounting uh, and, and cases being filed against him, he was able to somehow shift all that energy over to becoming a victim and being a, uh, you know, a target of uh, this, you know, elusive uh, conspiratorial democratic uh, party, this deep state that is out to get him. And somehow um, Republicans up and down the line seem to agree with that. And then also um, they no, nobody was ready to stand up to Trump and uh, including DeSantis and Nikki Haley and, and everybody that's running against him. The only people that stood up to Trump, when you think about it, are, have been Mike Pence to a certain degree, and he's long gone from the presidential race, and uh, Chris Christie, who is uh, reviled within the uh, Republican caucus. So, um, yeah, you know, DeSantis is one of those guys that, uh, you know, on paper, he did a lot of things the way it looked like you should have done it. Now, admittedly, he he made missteps. He, he blew through money blew through staff uh, in his uh, presidential campaign, his, you know, rebooting of his campaign uh, at least two or three times uh, didn't do him any, uh, any good. But um, yeah, I mean, he had, he had similar to, to, to Jeb way back in 2016, he had uh, an enormous amount of money to spend and uh, just kind of, you know, frittered through it in the end and uh, has very little to show for it when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, popularity. Or uh, I think after Iowa, we're going to see uh, the delegate count is not in his favor either. Right. And like Jeb, he had no answer for Trump. And and like I said, I don't know if there was a good answer for, for, for that. Um, I, I do wonder if he had been not as forceful as Chris Christie, but more forceful in taking on Trump and 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 pointing out the legal jeopardy that he's put himself in, uh, criticize Trump, and they feel like he's being persecuted. But I wonder if there was some line that he could have straddled there to say, you know, look, I mean, look at 91 different charges here. You know, even if you don't think that this is completely fair, this is still uh, remarkable that he could get himself in a situation like this or or that his behavior would even come close to getting him in this type of trouble. There, there, there seemed to be maybe a more forceful argument there to try and disqualify Trump on his legal issues. But DeSantis didn't really seem to to want to go there. Antonio, what stands out to you about DeSantis as a presidential candidate? Well, look, here's the thing. I, I'm going to throw out a third factor here that I, I think needs to be considered, and that is that the, you know, the mindset 
of the Republican electorate itself, and to be more specific, the MAGA base. Uh, Republicans are in a fa- far different place as we near the dawn of 2024 than the candidates whose names are not Trump and other pundits may have expected. By that, I mean that, you know, look, a year ago, as John mentioned, in the aftermath of the non-red tsunami in the midterm election, uh, it looked, it, the, the, the sense was, and, and I think even in the Murdoch media empire, the sense was that the Republican electorate, seeing what happened with the election-denying candidates, that the electorate was going to sort of swing pendulum its way back to not exactly the old Mitt Romney, Paul Ryan establishment Republicans, but settled somewhere between them and the Trump American carnage view, just settled somewhere where perhaps Ron DeSantis was going to be, this culture warrior working within political institutions to defend the family and the country and so forth. And that didn't happen. Instead, you know, surveys of GOP voters today and, and, and throughout this year have indicated that they indeed side with Trump's dark and angry view of America today, that the sentiment that America is a country lurching toward atheistic communism, as, as Trump depicts, and that it is written with crime and an uncontrolled flow of immigrants at the southern border that they believe, as Trump shockingly continues to say, is poisoning the blood of the country. You know, They also appear to agree with Trump that American influence abroad has sunk and the country is being disrespected by its allies and, and not feared by adversaries, principally China. So... You know, moreover, the, the base seems all in on this dictator for a day concept, the idea that Trump and only Trump is willing to say he will use extra legal measures and brass knuckle tactics against the deep state, the media. Hey, perhaps even the Inside Florida Politics podcast to put things in order. That dictator for a day concept or, or maybe for four years is exclusively a Trump talking point, And the base, like I said, appears all in on that. Yes, DeSantis makes a lot of similar arguments as Trump does on immigration and other issues, but to paraphrase what you know, former football coach and now Alabama U.S. Senator Tommy Tuberville said, the base doesn't seem to think that DeSantis has been going far along, you know, going far enough on these comments. They, they appear to conclude a year later that he is just simply too Trump light for their taste, especially to Republicans outside of Florida. You know, the MAGA base, at the end of the day, as apparently put DeSantis in the same worn, mealy-mouthed lane as Nikki Haley and the rest of the so-called undercard. Essentially, he and them are, are seen as candidates unwilling to paint a picture of 2023 America that is as dystopian as the one Trump depicts and which they view as well. And then if I'm allowed to say the word, you know, they have the cojones then to come up and do something about it, you know. So then the you know, final factor, too, is even the Trump show. The, the MAGA base embraces the drama that Trump plays out in, in nearly every public appearance. You know, in that show, Trump portrays America like a damsel in distress under the vice grip of Joe Biden. But Biden isn't portrayed as a sinister, badass villain like Thanos. He's loaded up. He's not loaded up with infinity stones and you know, snapping chaos. In fact, He's, in fact, he's depicted more like a, a decrepit Mr. Burns character from The Simpsons, except more confused and conniving. And then here comes Trump, the Avenger, who will come into office and crush the deep state, restore America's brilliance and rule for the rest of the 21st century. Look, right or wrong, fair or unrealistic, that seems how the base is seeing it, as, you know, going to all these rallies and covering them and talking to all these voters. That, that, that's how the base kind of wants it. Now, is this part of the GOP electorate, the majority? Is it 40%, 60%, 80%, 20 I don't know. I really don't. 
we'll, but we'll start finding out for sure starting on January 15th. You know, what I do know is that Trump's rhetoric is seething and he is drawing crowds and leading in polls. So it's not unreasonable to think that Trump appears to be to Republican voters like that rich chocolate cake with raspberry drizzle they serve at Mar-a-Lago, while DeSantis is seen like another instant vanilla pudding in a plastic container that no one cares whether you eat it with a spoon or you just scoop it up with the three fingers. Yeah, Antonio, and, and one sign that Republicans are really responding to Trump's authoritarian tendencies and seem to like them is the fact that DeSantis has tried to emulate them. You look at what he's done here in Florida, where he's removed these elected prosecutors who weren't uh, accused of any crimes or malfeasance, but basically were just, um, you know, did things politically that DeSantis didn't like, uh, you know, that, that, that was pretty um, unprecedented uh, and drew a lot of uh, criticism. You know, DeSantis's battle with Disney, uh, where he's he's really trying to subjugate this, this private business uh, for uh, speaking out against uh, a law that he passed that they don't like. Um, you know, these are, are uh, things that, that, that people have really compared to sort of uh, Trump's authoritarian tendencies. And so this idea that uh, dictator for a day that that uh, Republicans are going to um, recoil from that, uh, it, it, it seems uh, pretty unlikely considering that, uh, you know, the DeSantis and other successful Republicans have tried to emulate that. Well, one thing uh, that we're doing here in our year end wrap up show is uh, just going back and forth a little bit and talking about some of the biggest stories of the year. DeSantis's presidential campaign uh, was really uh, the big one. It really drove a lot of what happened in Florida politics. Uh, a lot of the legislation that happened was, revolved around trying to set DeSantis up for his presidential run. But there was a lot of other big stories. Um, so we're just going to talk a little bit. And Antonio and John uh, are, are going to share what they view as uh, the other big story in Florida politics in 2023. Antonio, you want to tell us about yours? Yeah, I'm going to pick up where John left off with Trump's renaissance again. Look, for a guy who has more political resurgences in him than a cat has lives, you'd think this would be old news, but it never gets stale. Look, like, like John was talking about it, a year ago, it looked like Trump was the one who was flaming out. His 2024 campaign announcement was panned, as of all things, you know, low energy. Then there was that Thanksgiving dinner with that, or around Thanksgiving with Ye, who's formerly known as Kanye West, and white supremacist Nick Fuentes. And then, as John noted, you know, it was Trump who got blamed for a lot of the midterm, no red wave disappointment among Republicans. So it was Trump who was staggering to the finish line of 2022 just 12 months ago. Today, every poll out there has Trump leading the GOP field by double digit percentages in the 20s, 30s, even 40 percent range. Battleground state polls also show him beating Biden, too. What happened? Well, here are five quick takeaways. One, Trump tenaciously went after DeSantis early, as John mentioned, including with that putting fingers ad in March, and then effectively damaged the governor, who was his principal rival. Two, the 91 felony charges filed against him helped galvanize the GOP base to a large segment of GOP voters. It was evidence of a deep state weaponized law enforcement attack on their guy. Three, Joe Biden tripped over a sandbag at a military academy ceremony. And in that one viral video, it cemented the view in the minds of many Americans that Biden is just too old and unable to manage the presidency. Four, 
Yet another war broke out, again, underscoring the perception of many Americans that the Biden administration just can't get a grip on the world. And in five, conservative media has done a number on American democracy, eroding trust in institutions and biological extension, promoting the appeal of a strongman, authoritarian leader, and that has gained favor among a significant swath of Americans. So there are other factors to be sure, but the point is Trump flipped the script on American politics yet again and did so in a remarkable way in a year in politics that, as we say so often with Trump, was unprecedented. And Antonio, we really saw that here in Florida, where uh, Trump is uh, is leading DeSantis handily in his own state. You would think that if there was any state where DeSantis could, uh, you know, maintain his support, it would be here in Florida, where he really enacted some policies that thrilled Republicans, uh, pushing against COVID restrictions, some of these culture war things, and yet you've seen uh, Trump just dominate DeSantis in his own backyard. All, uh, most of the uh, members of the Florida congressional uh, delegation have um, endorsed Trump, uh, and, and he's really kind of tried to embarrass him with some of these endorsements, trotting them out on stage. Um, you saw Trump uh, have this power play move where he got rid of a requirement uh, from the Florida GOP that you swear a loyalty oath and agree to support whoever is uh, the Republican nominee in order to get on the um, primary ballot. Uh, in Florida, polls have continuously shown Trump ahead. There was even a poll that I saw in this just this small area of Florida where I live, Sarasota, Manatee, um, where they had polled Republicans in this area, and it, and it showed uh, Trump with 59% support to 22% support among DeSantis. And DeSantis was here relentlessly during COVID, uh, you know, and, and if you talk to Florida Republicans in this area, they love DeSantis, but they love Trump more. So um, I think Trump's renaissance, uh, his resurgence, uh, Florida is just sort of a prime example of that where, uh, you know, the Republicans here are really full on MAGA, full on Trump, even though this is DeSantis's home base. Uh, John, you want to tell us about your uh, big story in Florida politics this year? Well, you know, it's funny. My my big story kind of parallels what you were just uh, discussing there a moment ago. Uh, I, I think the big story of this past year has been the Republican Party's takeover of Florida, uh, not not just state government. That's been a reality for 25 years. But now it's the electorate, which in the past year has tilted overwhelming Republican. Uh, the, the GOP now has an almost 700,000 voter advantage over registered Democrats in this state. That's about double what it was a year earlier. And uh, you may remember that Democrats still had a narrow advantage in voter registration as recently as the 2020 election. Um, that, that was continuing uh, Democratic voter dominance in this state that had existed since uh, at least the, the late 1800s. But the, uh, the, the rise of the Republican Party to a, what is now a six percentage point advantage over Democrats also means that Florida's toss-up state image. Um, you know, remember, this is a state that twice sided with Barack Obama and uh, where the 2000 election was decided by 537 votes. Well, well, all that's just history now. This is a Republican state. And uh, this upcoming election season will likely reflect that. Uh, I would not be surprised if the Biden campaign spends little time or resources really trying to compete here against uh you know, almost native son, uh, Donald Trump, uh, if he's the nominee. Uh, Democrats in Florida now are only uh, 
32% of registered voters to the Republicans, 38%. Uh, admittedly, no party affiliated voter, voters are sizable. That's, that's 27%. So, so any candidate from either party still has to attract a large share of them to win. But, um, you know, looking ahead to this year, for you Beatles fans who are politics watchers this holiday season, I'll, uh, I'll paraphrase the late John Lennon. Red is the color that this state now wears. <laughs> yeah, and, and who would think that uh, Democrats uh, struggling in Florida would be the biggest story of, of the year? Because it seems like it happens every year. It's an really- annual yeah, just just when you think they can't go any lower, they 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 go uh, farther and farther, and keep circling the drain, uh, and it seems like that the, there is no bottom to the depths that they can fall. And and uh, you know, I, I do think that uh, this was was a historic year for Republicans in Florida, for to be sure. A lot of other big stories in the state this year that we didn't really cover on this podcast. DeSantis's battle with Disney, huge news. I mean, Disney, largest uh, employer in the state, really a symbol of Florida, an icon in the state, uh, huge for the economy. And so for the governor to be feuding with the state's uh, largest employer was was huge um, and showed the lengths that he would go to kind of promote uh, himself and and uh, attract uh, support for his presidential campaign. DeSantis removing these elected prosecutors, as we mentioned, those were, were big stories when, when he did that. Uh, lots of other big stories, but those are just uh, a few that, that, that come to mind for us as we think about the year uh, 2023 in Florida politics. Now we're going to look ahead to the year 2024, which, uh, you know, trying to predict what what can happen in Florida politics is a bit of a fool's errand because the state always seems to surprise us. Um, But uh, we're going to take a stab at us. Uh, Antonio, you want to tell us about your prediction for 2024? Sure, Zach. Look, my prediction is that an effort to place a constitutional amendment protecting abortion rights in Florida next year may actually help Republican candidates in the 2024 election. Interesting. This week, the Florida Women's Freedom Coalition and other reproductive rights groups announced that they have procured enough signatures to move forward with their constitutional amendment proposal. That plan, as listeners of the podcast will know, would give Florida voters the opportunity to write abortion rights protections into the state constitution in the, on the November 24th general election ballot. The ballot item, by the way, still has to get passed as Florida Supreme Court's review and uh, State Attorney General Ashley Moody is opposing it. So it's not a done deal, even if the required number and allotments of signatures has been achieved. Now, let's assume it doesn't make it on the, it does make it on the ballot. That's where my prediction comes in, and this is what it is. Uh, Florida Democrats see it as a potential lifesaver. They believe it is an issue that they can not only campaign on, but also employs a magnet to get Democratic voters energized about going to the polls uh, next year, plus maybe win back a lot of those independent voters they lost in droves in 2022, and maybe, just maybe, even flip some GOP voters. Look, it's a plausible argument given what we have seen in many states, including this year in pretty, also pretty conservative Ohio. Except, gentlemen, except this. I have a number of posters telling me they think the ballot item will actually help GOP candidates. Why? Well, the reasoning is, goes like this. Those voters, Republicans and independents, who are upset about the 15-week 
and six-week abortion bans would would be able to step into the the polling place, vote for the and vote for the con- abortion constitutional amendment, then feeling that they have protected abortion rights for good, they would feel comfortable voting a straight GOP ballot. So my prediction is a constitutional amendment protecting abortion in Florida would pass if it's on the ballot, but it's not going to be the life vest or life preserver that state Democrats are counting on. All right. A big contrarian take there from uh, Antonio uh, on abortion, which, uh, you know, very well uh, could be on the ballot next year in Florida. And uh, a lot of people do think that that could could help uh, Democrats, but it, it could, you know, Florida is a, a weird state and who knows? I mean, you're right. Uh, the Republicans could, um, it, it could have a motivating effect uh, on, on the other side as well. Uh, uh, John, you want to tell us about your uh, prediction for 2024? Yeah, Zach, I'll, I'll go even farther in offering a prediction. I'll give you one you can bet on. You, you've probably all seen. <laughs> and now betting, for- now betting is legal here in uh, Florida. Yeah, Not like ex- anybody didn't do it before. That's exactly <laughs> right. You've, you've seen the ads for sports betting at Seminole Tribe Casinos in Florida. And John, John's going to be there on app. New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, be mindful of New Year's Eve with this. Um, you know, there, there's a mobile app you can use, too, um, that's run exclusively by the tribe. Uh, this, of course, is the result of the Seminole Gambling Compact signed in 2021, but which was stopped that year by a judge whose decision then was reversed earlier this year by an appeals court. And uh, the, the, the last shoe to drop in this was uh, this fall, the United States Supreme Court declined to review that decision. So, uh, you know, let the games begin, basically. Um, the nation's biggest sports betting state now is Florida, and the Seminoles control it with the state's paramutuals of uh, picking up sort of the scraps, uh, getting a a piece of what's bet online and still running their card rooms and blackjack games. But Florida gambling fights, you know, they never seem to be over. And uh, my prediction for this coming year is that you're going to see the legislature uh, revisit the topic this year in a bid to try to satisfy Jeffrey Sofer, the owner of Miami Beach's Fountain Blue Hotel, who wants to open a, a, a casino resort there. Um, Sofer has been flying DeSantis around on his private plane. How how much we're not sure, but but some. Um, and the two have grown tighter. And if DeSantis returns to the Capitol from his uh, stumbles along the campaign trail, uh, watch for him to be uh, having to pay some IOUs. And uh, key would be legislation that would allow the transfer of a paramutual license from one holder to another, namely Sofer and the Fountain Blue. Uh, Also needed would be legislation preempting a a Miami Beach ordinance against gambling casinos, but uh, this Republican-controlled legislature has never had a problem taking away the authority of uh, Democratic-leaning cities or counties, so so this could emerge too. Uh, Sofer has been seeking a Miami Beach casino for years, and uh, he went so far as to just this week He's opened a brand new Fountain Blue Casino in Las Vegas, complete with uh, a South Beach vibe. And uh, uh, this uh, 67-story casino is is in the Mojave Desert, so so it doesn't quite have the same uh, ambiance as uh, overlooking uh, Key Biscayne. But um, DeSantis will have bills to pay from this presidential campaign and uh, watch for him to prod legislators this year to make some magic happen for Sofer on Miami Beach. 
even though it's uh, it's fiercely opposed by local residents when it comes to the idea of having a, a, a casino on my on South Beach. But um, because of the, the hurdles, uh, it may take some time and some court fights along the way. But my prediction for 2024 is that you're going to see Florida's first non-Seminole casino start to take shape. All right. Casinos on South Beach, the dream of uh, some uh, big shots for a long time here. Uh, it in sure Florida. has been. You can make a lot of money if uh, your prediction comes right, John. And uh, who knows? Stranger things have happened. The Republican governor is feuding with Disney. Everything's up in the air now. Any, all the old rules about Florida politics may be out the window. So uh, we'll yeah. see it. We could see a gambling expansion. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't ask uh, the legislature. So, my prediction is that DeSantis's 19-point re-election win in Florida last year was the high watermark for Florida Republicans, and not the type of overwhelming victory that we're likely to see going forward. John talked about one of the big stories in Florida politics this year was sort of the the complete collapse of the Democratic Party and really uh, Florida's ascension is more of a red state. And and I, I do think that the Republican presidential candidate will carry Florida um, next year, but I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to that margin. And I think the idea that Florida is a deep red state is still very much uh, in question. DeSantis shocked longtime Florida political observers with the size of his win last year. Before his victory, the largest winning margin in Florida by a candidate for governor or president going back to 2008 was three percentage points. And five of those seven races for president or governor were decided by a percentage point or less, including DeSantis's first race, which was decided by less than half a percentage point and was the closest race for any governor in Florida history. I think DeSantis's re-election win was an anomaly and largely the result uh, of the COVID-19 pandemic. And by that, I mean the size of his win, not his victory. People were sick of COVID restrictions, and DeSantis had become a national symbol for resistance to restrictive COVID policies. We're not going to see an election like that again. The pandemic was was a pretty big um, uh, you know, uh, motivator for a lot of people, uh, even people who I don't think were, were uh, necessarily Republican, uh, diehard Republicans, diehard MAGA, diehard DeSantis' supporters. But I think we, we saw a lot of folks uh, come out and su- support DeSantis because of that. And, and uh, you know, that the state, I think that really kind of colored the, the election in a way that um, it, it is pretty unusual. And it doesn't mean that Florida is still necessarily a toss-up state. Florida's longtime status as the nation's largest swing state still, I think, is very much in doubt. Republicans have continued to gain on Democrats in voter registration, as John noted, which is a strong sign that the state is trending red. DeSantis won counties like Miami-Dade and Palm Beach that are the beating heart of the Democrat, that are the beating heart of the Democratic base in Florida. And those are uh, seriously troubling signs if you're a Democrat. But there's also reason to be hopeful. The Florida GOP is in disarray after their chair was accused of sexual assault. The sex scandal could tarnish the party's image and complicate its efforts to portray Republicans as the party of uh, traditional values. And then if abortion rights supporters uh, get a constitutional amendment on the ballot this year in Florida, despite Antonio's prediction, I think a lot of people do believe that that could uh, also help boost uh, turnout among Democratic-leaning voters. I'm not sure any of that is enough to give Democrats 
uh, a victory in Florida in 2024, but I think the election results will be a lot closer than DeSantis's 19-point win last year. How close could be really important. Politics is often about perception. If Democrats can make the election close in Florida this year, it could convince donors and national party leaders that the state isn't lost and that they should invest in Florida going forward, which becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more money invested, the more likely the state is to be competitive. And it all starts with resetting the narrative that Florida is now a red state. My prediction is that Republicans carry Florida, but by margins that are more pink than red. The lighter the shade of pink, the more likely that Florida is seen as a competitive state again. That wraps up our final Inside Florida Politics podcast of 2023. Thanks to our audio production guru, Chandler Hopeful. And thanks to all of you who have listened to our show and supported it throughout the year. We appreciate you. Happy holidays and see you in the new year.